When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have a lot of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. Today, we're going to take a look at and talk about presets. Presets for plugins, presets for different types of software, and how presets can help you learn um, and how it can also hinder you. So first, let's start off with the beauty of technology that is Logic. Logic is really amazing. I love Logic, and I think it is really, really useful and great for many, many people. If you are a producer... If you want uh, something that is pretty intuitive yet has the flexibility of an advanced software like Pro Tools, um, although it doesn't have everything, all the flexibility that Pro Tools does, it's got most of everything that you would ever need. Um, Logic is great. Um, and more importantly, the biggest thing of them all, the least, the reason why people love Logic so much is because Pro Tools will never do anything automatically. Everything has to be done manually, meaning that buses, routing, um, everything has to be created, whereas Logic will do a lot of things automatically, including um, presets for plugins. And not just presets for plugins, but also presets for channel strips. For example, like an entire vocal chain. There will be a preset for an entire vocal chain or entire guitar chain or bass chain or anything like that. And um, this can be very, very useful for two things. Having presets is very useful for, one, knowing where to start. Um, usually with presets for compression... Uh, everything, the ratio, the attack and release time might be a good place to start, but the threshold can never be right because you never know how much someone, how hot someone is recording in or how hot uh, the signal is. Now, for example, uh, you can adjust the threshold. A lot of presets will say, hey, this is this preset meant for about, aim for negative 4 dBs of gain reduction. So that's, that's a really good type of preset because then you know exactly how much gain reduction or where the threshold should be doing. So you can pull up a compression... Um, preset and then try to find the gain reduction so change the threshold to get that same amount of gain reduction um, and then you can hear what is the intended use of the preset so it kind of gives you an idea of where to start and number two the reason why in Logic is so great is because a lot of people that use Logic are producers they're trying to write music so they don't have the time to mix it They're mixing is is something that's done afterwards not it's so a lot of times mixing is something for producers is something that slows down the creative process so they just want something to sound relatively good really fast so a lot of people just throw on a preset um, so they can continue with their creative flow, which is actually amazing, and I wouldn't want it any other way. Like, uh, presets, I think, are underrated in the sense that they are a really good tool to see how people, the reason why people choose, like, that EQ curve, that compression setting. Um, but it can be very hindering in the sense that you shouldn't ever, ever, ever have, a, have an EQ or a compression preset and leave it as B. Same with harmonics or anything. A modulation, like you should look through the presets and then 
try to see, find out the reason why that preset is there and tweak it to sound good. You should never ever, as a mix engineer, you should never ever leave it, like set it and leave it. Um, that being said, I'm a hypocrite because there's one specific plugin preset that I will never ever change. <laughs> Actually, not never ever, but I have not changed to this point because it sounds really good from the get-go. And that is for trap hats, um, and with hi hats, uh, in in a lot of hip hop trap music, the Pensado EQ has a preset called um, the Modern Hi Hat, and it sounds amazing. And every time I touch it, it sounds worse. So <laughs> I like to leave it exactly where it is. That's the only preset that I like to use. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite there, saying that don't ever use presets and never change them. But the point is, in a mixing setting, presets are not the end all. Um, presets are just a way to help increase workflow and to learn from, to speed up workflow and to learn from. Um, so on that note, uh, I had a few people message me this week. Um, and actually a few people messaged me, you know, this is a relatively common question that I get is what not, not necessarily your preset or DK, what is your preset or what is your workflow or what is the plugins that you're using or what is the settings of your plugins that you're using? Um, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, I'm going to give an answer that you're not going to like, which is, I don't know. And also I don't care. Um, uh, meaning that whatever preset I give you, whatever settings I give you, whatever plugins I show you, that's not going to help you become a better mix engineer. That's not going to help you get a better sound. Because settings and techniques is not what makes better music or better mixes. It's knowing what better music and better mixes are supposed to sound like. Does that make sense? In the sense that, like, I can teach you how to make this specific vocal with this specific singer and microphone sound good with these specific settings. But I have never, ever used two of the same, two vocals, even of the same vocalist have the same exact plugins. Like I always tweak them just a little bit because performance differs sometimes depending on the range of their voice. The EQ curves slightly change. Um, also, I don't really use presets or templates at all. So I like to start from scratch from the beginning because I want to build a vocal from scratch, right? Every single time. And um, for me, each vocal sounds different and each, and not even just a vocalist, sometimes each song, from song to song of the same artist, let's say it's the same exact vocal in the same exact range and the same exact um, artist and the same exact album and the same exact everything, microphone, everything. I still won't EQ the vocals the same across albums because each song sounds different and calls for a different sound. For example, if you listen to Beyonce on various different songs and albums, her voice are, is sometimes really bright her voice is sometimes really dark. Her voice is usually almost always in the louder end, um, but sometimes it can be buried. Like, there's too much flexibility because a song calls for different mixing. Each song calls for different mixing. And this is something that I cannot really teach, but I need you to understand. There is no preset, there is no template that is the end all for everything. You need to learn what better mixes what good songs are supposed to sound like. Using presets is a good way to learn the thought process of other engineers. For example, in the Chris Lord Algae preset for the snare, right? It might have a boosted 8K on the SSL and boosted 200 on the SSL and a cut 500. I don't know what, it, what his thing is. The Andrew Sheps uh, 1073 for the snare plugin 
is going to be a boosted 12K band, and it's going to have the uh, 4, 4K boost and the 200 boost with a little bit of a high pass, I, I assume, something like that. But more importantly is asking the question why, because you're never, ever, ever going to have a snare that sounds exactly the same as the snare that he made that preset on. In general, it was a good preset idea. In, in practicality, you need to adjust it for your own snare. And you need to not be a brainless zombie and think for yourself on how you can use the setting, what he was going for, why was he boosting the top end? What does that change the sound of the snare? Like, does it make give it more crack? Does it give it a little bit more? How much is too much? How much is too little? Like, that's for up to you to decide. Why did he boost the mid-range? Why did he cut the low end out? Why did he boost the low end? What is that 200 hertz that so many people boost on a snare drum? Why, why do people boost it? Like, what is the point of everything here? And what can you learn from it, right? Because of the fact of the matter is, that snare is never ever the same across any mix, ever. In fact, even if it's the same drum kit, it's very rarely ever the same sound from song to song, especially if they record it on different days. Or, and especially if it's the same drum kit and it's different drummers. Or even something as simple as like the, the sticks are different. You swap out the sticks. Like, like, although that one will have a lot less of a change, but it'll still have a change. Um, some songs are more aggressive, so the drummer will hit harder. Some songs are less aggressive, so the drummer will not hit as hard. The, there's too many variables to really think that there's one and all preset or setting. So on that note, um, I want you to know that there are a use for presets. There are a use for templates. Um, and just because my workflow doesn't really accommodate for them doesn't mean that yours shouldn't. I remember when I was learning, I used a lot of presets to figure out what they were going for. I'd use a compression setting and be like, why is this ratio so dang low or so dang high? What is up with these attack and release settings? Like, I, I would crank the threshold to figure out why the compression sounds that way, and then I'd dial it back until it felt good. Um, it's really useful. A word of caution. If you ever watch a YouTuber or hear a friend say anything like, this is a rule, or you should always do this, let me be the first to tell you that they are wrong. There are no right answers in music, and the only wrong answer is to say that there are right answers. Um, so, please be careful. Um, lots of YouTubers I hear will say, you have to mono out the bass. You have to do this. The 500 on the kick drum is always, like, too bouncy. It's too, it's too fluffy. Let's, let's get it down a little bit. This is, this, I like these audio EQ spectrum graphs that you see all the time. Like, this is the airband. This is, in general, they are pretty useful. But at the same time, it just takes a lot of experience to understand. And more importantly, it takes a lot of analytical listening and comparison. For example, if you are asked to do a big band jazz song or an album, which I've mixed plenty of those, it's kind of funny because something, let's say you're probably, as a listener, are really unfamiliar with how to blend an entire horn section. That's not a common request that people get asked to mix down. Now, where do you find the growl in the sax that blends with the rest of the horns? Where do you find the good tones of the trombone? Where do you find the good tones of the berry sax or the trumpet, right? Um, this is, to a certain degree, I can show you a graph that says, typically, these are the good frequencies of the trumpet player and the good frequencies of the trombone, but, and the bad frequencies of both of them. But that's not going to really help you mix. What's, what's really going to help you get better isn't a graph, isn't a preset. It's by trying different things and working on a bunch of mixes. The fact that I have done many songs, big band style, not like a ton, not like 
like that's my living or anything like that. But I've done definitely enough that I spent enough hours and enough mixes and done enough analytical comparison, reference mix, referencing, that I know what the sounds are supposed to be like, right? And that has given me advantage over someone that has no sounds. It has nothing to a certain degree. It has nothing to do with skills. It just has everything to do with experience. Um, so please don't negate experience. Please be patient and please just try to continue to learn and understand why people did things. You don't have to agree with everybody, but the more that you understand the reason why people mix certain ways and the why behind the techniques, the more you'll get better at mixing yourself because you'll have a larger arsenal of weapons and techniques to choose from. Okay, hopefully you guys got something out of that message this week. As you continue to mix and produce songs this week, good luck, have fun. As always, if you would like to send me a mix for feedback, I am always accepting mixes for feedback. I get multiple emails every single week. It takes me a little bit to get to them, but I love hearing your work. I love to hear your enthusiasm. I love to hear y'all like really get stoked about this, right? And I hope that I've been able to help you. And it sounds like for a lot of people that have been sending me emails, I have in some way or another. I love this so much. Please continue to take advantage of my free mix feedback. Send me an email, an MP3, um, D-E-E-K-E-I mixes at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to take a look at my plugin settings or my songs or my mixes or my daily music life, follow me on Instagram at DKMixes, D-E-E-K-E-I Mixes. On that note, please leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple because that is the fastest and best way to help my channel grow. Thank you so much, y'all. Happy mixing and stay saucy. One, two, three. <laughs>